Welcome to episode 186 of No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. Courtney is traveling in Germany this week, and so to make up for her absence, I found someone who we've been getting a lot of questions about from our listeners for years now who've been hoping for an update on her and how she's doing since she really was a favorite of a very significant number of, of NCR's listener base, especially stateside. And that would be Jamie Hampton. Jamie Hampton, to remind all of you, uh, was one of, was considered one of the more promising young American tennis players, especially back in 2013 when she had a career year, uh, making it to the final of Eastbourne, making the fourth round of the French Open, third round U.S. Open, and getting her way into the top 25. And she'd always tr- struggle with injuries of various kinds and had her worst one uh, right before her Auckland semifinal the next year in January of 2014. She was set to play Venus Williams got hurt in practice before the match, and hasn't played since, and it's been almost three and a half years now. And while she's worked as hard as she can on trying to get back on tour, uh, with her body not always cooperating in this time off, and has gained a perspective that maybe it's not always possible to get while she was sort of a cog in the machine of pro tennis. So to talk about those sort of things and all sorts of other issues, here is my conversation from this week with Jamie Hampton, a.k.a. Julie Hamilton. Very excited to be joined by Jamie Hampton here on NCR, a.k.a. Julie Hamilton, which is, I feel like, what we refer to you more often than not, even though it's, like, at this point, like, a four- or five-year-old inside joke. Um, the, I'm trying to remember, Jamie, the origin of Julie. I don't think I was there. I think it was Courtney who, like, was there when you were talking about this. I think someone, like, commented that, like, I guess you are getting announced for press, and people so like, oh, they must at least never pronounce your name wrong or something. But you have your own stories about that. Do you remember what the origin of Julie Hamilton was? Yeah, you know, it was it was a while ago. I was playing, I think, in Carlsbad, actually. Okay. And I was a feature match. I wasn't the feature match, actually. Well, I was a part of it. But Melanie, I think, was the uh, was the feature. And I was okay. playing her. And Andrew Krasny uh-huh. <laughs> introduced us. And he... he um, he said, and tomorrow's feature feature night match will be J- Julie Hamilton. And I was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> and then Courtney, Courtney asked about it in press because a few other people had called me Julie Hamilton. And that seems to be a, seems to be my name now. So did you I ever have to accept it, I guess. Did you ever think that like, huh, maybe the universe made a mistake and my name really should be Julie Hamilton? Because there's no other reason. I mean, Jamie and Hampton are not <laughs> tough or unusual names. Like, I wouldn't think it'd be something with a high rate of you know, error, but I guess so. Yeah, I think I, I just got to accept it, go uh, along with it. Well, that's good. Well, <laughs> whoever you are, we're very glad to have you here. Um, I guess, uh-huh. I know, we, like I said, just before we started taping, we've gotten a lot of questions over the past years now, I guess like, you know, monthly, at least still monthly going um, about what you're up to, how you've been doing, if we have any updates. I know yeah. we got, we got uh, these are Kickstarters. We want people to describe themselves and they said, we're using, trying to use all our tennis karma to get, jamie back on court um or see her, to see her soon so you have some very devoted fans i think they're in atlanta or georgia somewhere who were saying well, that's that. so nice um, yeah that's guess, so nice i guess if, if you can just give sort of an update of what where where are you first of all and uh what you've been up to lately in as broad or specific well, terms as you want to go into 
Well, first off, if, my, if any of those fans are, you know, they listen to this, thank you so much. I mean, that's that's so nice to have that that type of support, and it's something that I've definitely really come to appreciate, and you know, in hard times or times like these. But um, you know, I'm I haven't I don't know if I'm going to be playing yet. Um, I don't know if I'm going to play or not play. You know, mm. I'm kind of in a, a bit of a waiting phase. Um, I've had quite a few surgeries, but you know, things are not, as I said last time, I'm, I mean, I haven't decided to move on. So yeah. into my next career yet. So how do you deal I mean, with, just... <laughs> yeah. How do you deal with like, cause I know this is, I, I think Courtney last caught up with you. I want to mm-hmm. say, I think I look back up when she wrote, it was like August yeah. of 2015, I think it was the last sort of yeah. update she had with you. And at that point, I think you'd mm-hmm. already had, you, you, you played your last tournament January, 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and so between that, you had had, I think six surgeries. Yeah. Then. Um, any, any more since then or any other major developments or just still sort of a wait and see period for you now? Well, there was a little bit, um, some, I, I saw some fans saying that I had had six hip surgeries and that's not the case. Um, I have had more and they were on multiple body parts, but, um, some were very minor surgeries. Um, I mean, a surgery is still a surgery, but, um, some of them, they're very, you know, very easy to recover from. So I I have had more, you know, I don't want to say how many, but I have, I've had my fair amount for sure. Uh, I guess, I guess, is it, does it get, as you have more time mm-hmm. off tour or away from the, away from competing, I should say, cause you're still obviously working to get back. Does it get easier or tougher to sort of, to, to deal with, you know, you're, I want say, in one sense, you know, it's tough that it gets disappointing, but on the other hand. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're used to disappointments as as tough as that might be or, or how you sort of balance that. You know, at first it was very jarring because it was yeah. just such a change um, just in my daily routine. Um, but I've had a lot of personal growth and, you know, I think I've, I've matured some over the years I and mean, I'm not like <laughs> perfect, but uh, I've definitely gotten older, a little more experienced in handling how to handle these things. Right. And uh, I definitely would say the last year and a half or so it, it's gotten a little bit easier for mm-hmm. sure that's good no i mean it, it's you hopefully that's what you want is to find some sort of peace in your life yeah. regardless of and that can that doesn't have to be doesn't have to mean giving up you know it can still mean yeah. sort of just a way to cope and a way to make to live your life and not be because i know it has to be it has to have been hard at some points for sure absolutely you know at, at certain times i was like oh i gotta get back i gotta get back and then it didn't come to happen you know so I had to accept that and move on, and then I had to try again and again and again. And so it's it's not, I want to say that I got used to disappointment, but you just get used to, like, not thinking about the future yeah. or, or not thinking about the past and just kind of being right here and right now. And right here and right now is I'm, you know, recovering. What's, so I've come to accept that and come to terms with that. So what are your, like, what do your days look like now? Um... You know, right for right now, I'm, I'm just kind of waiting, to be honest. Before mm-hmm. they were, I, I did try and play, try and get back out on the court and hit a few balls. And there was a time where I was, um, um, you know, in the routine of going to the gym more and doing um, physical therapy and getting on the court. A lot of my days have been physical therapy, but mm-hmm. um, I have I have had quite a few surgeries. So that's been um, recovery has been my my uh, default setting, so to speak. Right. I guess there was one, I want to say there was one time end of 2015, mm-hmm. we were on an entry list for a tournament. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I was thinking, looking back at it, when, when once you pulled out, I was mm-hmm. thinking that it may, might have just been a protected ranking thing. Yeah, because absolutely. Because it was like your last chance to use protected ranking. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But so otherwise, but otherwise, I guess you haven't come 
as close then to feeling like you were no honestly I wasn't close then either okay (laughs) I was just uh trying to to save the protected ranking that I had I have I think um two years to get it started yeah and then um I didn't I wasn't close but I wanted to give myself that extra time otherwise I'd be starting from nothing which you know I am now anyway so yeah well, while you've been recovering and doing all these things and waiting, you've gotten at least recently more on Twitter active mm-hmm. and engaged and outspoken on things and, you know, weighing in on all sorts of different topics. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of one of the things I wanted to hear from you again, or just it made me think that you would have a lot of pretty interesting perspective on this sport, which you know mm-hmm. really well, obviously having been a player and grown up in it and lived in it. And then I now mm-hmm. seeing it from a distance, I guess just generally speaking, Looking, looking at the sport now from a, with a bit of bit of a gap between you and and mm-hmm. daily the grind of the week in week out tour. What do you what mm-hmm. do you make of it mostly? Like what are your what are your what are your thoughts on if you see it if anything looks radically different with that perspective? You know, when you first start on the tour, um, the WTA when you're going through like your rookie hours and everything. Um, I don't know if that they still do that program, but when I was uh, just starting on the tour, they did. Can you describe what that is for people who might not know? Um, the WTA kind of has you go and they, they tell you about the tour. They tell you how it's founded. You, you have, you're required to do a, a power hour. It's right. called a power hour with B- Billie Jean King. Yeah. Uh, where you go and chat for her for a while at, at the, uh, I think the U S open. Right. And I, I did that like three or four times and she t- talks to you about the tour and she's so passionate and you know, how it, how it came to be and her battle with Bobby Riggs. And, you know, for me, I'm going to be honest, it, none of that ever stuck. You know, it was nothing that I was ever interested in. I was so, I was new on the tour. I was learning a lot, you know, just about myself. And, um, I think that it, it didn't matter to me. You know, I had my daily routine. I was trying to, to better my ranking and, and beat players. And so that was my focus. Yeah. So, you know, I would say until I got hurt and wasn't able to play, that was my main focus. And I never, I hate to say it, but I never really, none of those things really mattered to me, mm-hmm. like equal prize money or sexism or any of that. Yeah. And now they have, I guess. And now, and now, and now stepping away from it, you see the, I guess, importance, is, is that the right word? Or the sort of, you see things through that lens? More than you yeah, have. you have a, a broader perspective. Much of my time is not spent thinking about tennis anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, the election was a big thing that really right. jarred me as well. And so that just kind of opens your eyes and you just start, you know, digging deeper in, into um, issues. And a lot of the things come to light. So I guess just I'm just curious to d- dive into this. This is sort of what I've sensed from your from your Twitter. Um, what are some of the things, I guess, in terms of sexism or equal prize money that might have sort of come into focus it just just from just from in regards to the tennis world obviously there's much broader election issues and everything touches everything these days but just in terms of tennis do you see sexism or inequality being more more at play or more present than you might have had time to notice it was while you were actively playing oh for sure because i was not one of the people that was for equal prize money when i was on the tour oh really and there were there are actually women on the tour at least one in 2013 that mm-hmm. didn't that didn't believe that i've certainly and, heard um, some yeah too yeah for sure yeah and and the main argument was that they play three out of five at the slam so they should get paid more and so i mean you have and then you have the uh, many men who 
you know, don't agree as well. So it's, I mean, it seems logical, but when you look at it and you look at the issue and you go deeper into it, it's, it's really not. And I only was looking at what was on the surface. I think as many people were. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and what did you find below the surface there? I guess just sort of a, an underlying value of the power of equality or something like that, or, or what was it that, yeah. that changed for you? Just the battle that women have had to go through to even have the tour. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that, you know, the men did, never had to really to fight for it. Like Billie Jean did for us and the Virginia no. slums and to be put at that disadvantage already, you know, we're going to have to fight twice as hard and to put a value, I think, on us and to say that one person is, you know, or one gender is more valuable than another. And when you know, you're at the slams, you've you've got both of us playing. And so people come to watch both of us. Yeah. And the tickets are sold together. You know, you buy a ticket, you buy a ticket for both. Absolutely. And, and the TV yeah. deals for slams, at least for sure, done as well. Mm-hmm. Like ESPN buys men and women together. Yeah. You can't drive them up. So, yeah. So I, I obviously completely... By that, I guess, do you think there's something that the tour, do you, do you wish that you had realized this more when you were playing? Or oh, yes, been, absolutely. Yeah? How would that have yeah. changed your, how would that have changed your, your time on tour if you had sort of been keyed into these issues, I guess? You know, I think I just would have been more appreciative. Mm. On Bottom line, just would have been more thankful for what I did have. Yeah, because I guess, I guess that's one of the things you might also realize stepping back from the tour is that women's tennis is huge. You know, women's tennis, and it's also, especially when you look at the issues that are going on with, like, women's hockey in the U.S. lately, Mm -hmm. women's soccer, and they're fighting Mm -hmm. for not even equal pay necessarily, but just to try to get, you know, a living wage in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Um, To see see how the women's, maybe maybe something you could take, you took for granted having grown up in tennis and always had tennis as your site, that you guys had it, compared to almost every other women's sport in the world, you guys have it real, real good. Yeah, and it being an individual sport, like I said, like everything's so focused on one person, and you you just don't really see what's going on on the outside too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also for myself, um, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I was also um, homeschooled, and I grew up playing, just playing tennis. Yeah, you know, so you just don't really have like worldly views, so to speak. Yeah, no, it's, you can be in a bubble for sure. In yeah, tennis. I think it's pretty, especially. When, you know, and this is something you hear in other sports, too, in terms of, like, Colin Kaepernick is obviously the most famous recent mm-hmm. example, where, like, anything that's at all trying to be, you know, engaged in bigger social issues is a distraction. You know? Yeah. And I know that, like, Nicole Gibbs has talked about how people have discouraged her from trying to, you know, be outspoken on things because it might detract from her tennis. And she says, and there are parts of them that might be right. They might be using up energy that maybe is taking away from tennis on some level, but also it's something that she feels passionate about and wants to keep doing regardless. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I like what Nicole's doing. I like being outspoken. And I think that, you know, first and foremost, you know, we're people mm-hmm. and, and we're citizens of the, I mean, I'm a citizen of the United States. She's a citizen of the United States. Right. Colin is a citizen. So it's like, you got, I mean, I know, I understand that sports is, is a big thing and people like to try and keep that separate, but, um, you know, I just don't agree with that. Yeah. I think using your platform to to state your opinions and views is is very important. Do you think there's things that the WTA? I mean, obviously, Billie Jean. You talked about those power hours she mm-hmm. does at the U.S. Open. I've heard from a lot of players about how sort mm-hmm. of cool or eye opening that can be. But it is sort of a off for most players like a one time thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there are things that the WTA could do to be more? I don't want to say political, but more like you know overtly feminist or more somehow 
uh, outspoken on things from even from like a, a corporate level or something. You know, they don't seem to necessarily put them. I mean, they do at some point pay homage to their history of, you know, mm-hmm. women's tennis and the equal prize money. And they don't they don't necessarily make it a constant refrain the way maybe they could. Is this something you would like to see them do or how, how do you feel about that? I actually think that uh, it's going to have to come a little bit more from the players. Mm. I think the players have a, a stronger, bigger voice, and uh, I would love to see you know more of the men speak out as well. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know how much it's going to happen. <laughs> are, are these conversations you had with with other players while you were on tour yeah. or, or since about these sort of things? Um, never on tour. Okay. Um, like I said, like you know the the whole player council thing, um, going to meetings. You know, just I kind of viewed it as more of a burden than anything, right? Because it just just distracted me from what I was trying to to get accomplished um and you know my time and that has to be a so, very common mindset i would think i mean so many players are there i mean you're there to compete and to win to be the best tennis player you can be not to yeah you know necessarily champion any sort of issue off court or you know go to meetings and, yeah and work in back rooms to get deals done or whatever else might mm-hmm. come to it so i can see yeah, that being the main issue the main attitude yeah and so i never really paid attention or so to speak or understood a lot of what was going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. um if i ever you know had the opportunity to go back on the tour it's definitely something that i'd, I'd like to be a part of cool um i guess you mentioned um other players and politics and i know obviously nicole and, and you both were outspoken around the election and i think it's interesting an interesting split that people see in tennis where um a lot of tennis fans at least the ones on twitter and the twitter sphere are, mm-hmm. are fairly liberal and progressive and things like that and then not all of them obviously they're you know a fair number of wealthier conservative fans and stuff are a big part of tennis too um Mm -hmm. but a lot of the american players seem to be more to skew conservative also is that something that you (laughs) to put it lightly is that something that you you notice while you're on tour or have noticed um since or have have sort of wondered about since like why this split happens to be this way because it's an interesting sort of it seems like a divide at least from the outside you know, I, I don't have an answer for that. I think the nation was pretty divided. Yeah. I mean, you did have like 26 million people vote for Donald Trump and was it 28 for Hillary? percent, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question. I do, I, tennis is a very wealthy sport, you yeah. know, to gr- growing up, you have to have a, a decent amount of money to be able to play and travel, you know, even for juniors. So... That might. I, I mean, I'm. I honestly don't know. I don't have the answer to that. Right. No. It's. It, I don't think anybody has a clear. Yeah. And it's not everybody. Like I said, it's just. It's just sort of. You notice it being different than uh, sometimes the outside. And, and that being said, you know, my family did not have a lot of money yeah. growing up. So I mean, and I had those views. And and to be honest, my parents have those views. They're very conservative. And so I grew up in that environment. So I think a lot of it, in a way, is like religion. You know, it's what you grow up in. Right. Especially because yeah, you're from Alabama. Also, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I'm sure all this seemed incredibly natural. Are you still in Alabama, or where are you, where are you based these days? Oh, I'm I'm in Florida. Okay. Yeah, the USCA uh, just moved to Orlando, so hopefully I'll be following them soon. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Have you been to the new um the new like Nona massive complex? And what do you <laughs> I think actually of it? have not. Oh, you have not. I have okay. not been. No. Um, I was gonna go, but uh, I wasn't able to. But I heard it's it's beautiful. I heard uh. It's kind of in an area that's like Kansas, but greener. <laughs> okay, that's good. Not a lot around, so, you know, suburban Orlando, I guess. In, in the, yeah, it's in the southeast corner, I believe. Right. 
cool. I guess so you've you've been watching the tour, I guess probably more mm-hmm. now are just following it. What do you make of it just in general and in go specific from however you want to take this? But what do you make of like where tennis and women's tennis is at right now? Just on a purely like competitive landscape kind of level. Well, I think right now, um, you know, all of their their stars are kind of out. You know, Maria just came back, obviously, and, you know, I'm really happy to see her back. But we've got Serena who and Vika, who've obviously – Vika, just, who just had her first baby, and mm-hmm. Serena, who's pregnant. But, I mean, that's a fantastic phase of their life. I'm so happy for them. But, um, you know, there's not really many – and you've got Petra, who that awful, Attack, awful yeah. experience. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you've got some of their, their name brand players who are struggling to win matches. So I think from a marketing standpoint, you know, the WTA is, is struggling a little bit. Yeah. Um, I wish that, you know, maybe they – I don't know what they're going to learn from that. I hope that they market, you know, other players as well moving forward. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm, one. I'm just curious to take this on a little bit of a sidebar from what you said there. Like, I'm curious what you think about, because you got, I think you got up to a career high of 24, mm-hmm. I think, I think in, so. in 2013. And yeah. um, and you were obviously having good results. You made the Eastbourne final. You made a fourth round of the French. You had a couple big wins there over good Czech lefties and Safrova and Sidova. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and, 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 you, and you started to feel, I mean, you and you're at being an American also and coming up on the U.S. hardcourt swing, mm-hmm. you would have been ready for sort of the hype machine. You know, like you could have been, I mean, you, I don't know. You think I don't know so? How, I, well, I, I, on paper, <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, just there. I mean, I, and I know that you played in that same year, Sloan had had her breakout mm-hmm. and you two are roughly the same age, right? And you. Um, I'm a little older than her. Okay. Um, but she had, she had made her Aussie semi and beat Serena and you two played each other at the US Open. Mm-hmm. And I remember that match at least being, mm-hmm. and you were, I think you were both seated, you're both young Americans that was on Ash. And uh, that match was at least was like, here is a match that's like two big, two young Americans on the rise. And I don't know. I'm just curious. Do it didn't last it? very long. I no, it, it, that match. it wasn't the best <laughs> match. No, it's true. <laughs> but I'm just wondering if you think like um, what you what it's like being and if you ever felt like you were ignored by that machine, if, if that's what you're saying, or if they could have done more to mark you, if you feel like, nah, gosh, shucks, guys, don't worry about me. I'm just Julie Hamilton doing my thing. You know what? What do you what do you make of of being there? Because it, it's it's something that a lot of players, some players embrace it, some players you know hide from it, and others are sort of mm-hmm. in between. How, how did you deal with the spotlight and the and the sort of hype then? What I meant was that I the match didn't last very long. No. So I mean, it was just it was over in like forty five minutes, yeah. <laughs> fifty maybe. Um, you know, I think when I was. I mean, I was hurt a lot early on in, in my junior career. Not yeah. a lot, but for a while, because I had a left wrist injury, mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to play as much as I'd like. And I think that I, I did struggle with some jealousy issues. Mm. Um, but I think that as I've gotten older, and especially since I've had a break from tennis, that's, that stuff doesn't really matter to me anymore, or as much, so to speak. I, but I've always been the type of person to, to shy away from that. So it was a bit of an internal struggle. <laughs> yeah, because on the one hand, you saw other people getting attention. You were like, hey, I want attention. But at the same time, you were like, don't look at me. It right? was more yeah. for my tennis. Okay. You know, like I really 
like I wanted, um, I guess the attention of, you know, certain coaches cause I wanted to work with them, Okay. but, um, I was never able to, but other than that, um, so it was more about getting, getting notice, notice in the you know player's lounge in the locker room than just having, having like a magazine spread about you. Um, not necessarily. I wanted the attention so I could have, I could, my career would be better. Okay. Like I, I kind of, I felt that if I had been, if I worked with a certain coach that it would, you know, help my game right. and I would, you know, have more wins or my ranking would improve or but, something like this. But attention but, itself wasn't an end goal. Cause I know for certain people, no. like certain players, I'm thinking one specifically right now in the WPA, <laughs> it just seems like, you know, attention can be, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's not something that adds to her tennis necessarily. Um, and you know, it, you, yeah, but you, no, wanted, but you wanted to, to to feed it back into your tennis and to sort of, you know, pay that for that makes sense. I guess that how is that yeah. a fair read of what you're thinking? That sounds like yeah. the Jamie Hampton I know. I mean, because you were so. I mean, cause seriously, because <laughs> you were you were very all business and very focused and pretty pretty tunnel vision. I would say at times, just from the outside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for my own like protection as well. You know, yeah. I didn't want to get caught up in any of that stuff. You know, I wanted to just play tennis and I wanted to be the best. And so that's kind of how I dealt with it. I think I also was a little bit afraid. Um, I'm, I've always grown up being a little bit afraid of the attention. So in that way, it was a bit of a defense as well. Because you were you were pretty slow to join Twitter, as I remember, right? Relatively. Yeah. And yeah, I guess what what do you make Facebook. of yeah? Because <laughs> you were you were coming up in sort of when tennis Twitter was really hitting its stride, I guess, or mm-hmm. you know, good for, whether that's mm-hmm. a good or bad thing. How much mm-hmm. how much does that sort of social media microscope and having anybody be able to send you a message at any time, how did that change the the, the life on tour and I guess sort of the stakes of, you know, playing a match? Because you can play a fairly anonymous, I don't know, first round match in uh, uh, Auckland or something. And it, you can get, you know, if you underperform or something or people think you underperform, then you can get all sorts of nasty messages and it can be a bigger negative than yeah. just losing. How, how did you sort of try to deal with that well you know i was on facebook at first and we were still getting those messages before they had like the filtering right and i was shocked at first you know i was like oh my gosh this is my private facebook how is this happening but um you know it's an issue that i think that madison's address and that i completely Mm -hmm. support you know i think it's a great thing but i think that you know at first it definitely definitely stung definitely hurt definitely bothered me um, but I think as I've gotten a little bit older, I've finally realized that none of that really matters. It's all just noise. Right. No, that's a, that's definitely a good attitude to have. For yeah. It. And I just kind of laugh. Honestly, I find it a little bit comical that people would spend their time doing that. Because you see a lot of it, so. like a lot of it. It's one thing <laughs> I would think the ones that get me are like, I mean, cause you were obviously a top 25 player, you know, you're yeah. playing on Ash big matches that were on national TV and stuff of that. But like people get those messages like losing in futures tournaments and losing in like, yeah. high, and that's where I would just be like, really? Like there were like three people in the stands and I got seven messages afterwards. How does this happen? I don't know. That's, yeah. That's the sort of bizarre I, balance of it that I don't, that I would think would be pretty surreal. I think, you know, I mean, I could be wrong. I, don't, I mean, I'm just speaking for myself, but you know, maybe those messages bothered me because at some level I, you know, wasn't as confident as I'd like to be. Mm. And, um, I don't know. I just, they don't bother me anymore. They don't even like, 
it just kind of bounced right off me. Do you see that? I mean, because now you're sort of on the tennis fan side or the sort of observer mm-hmm. consumer side of the sport. And I don't mm-hmm. know how much you read, you know, messages or message boards or press about tennis and chatter mm-hmm. about it. But do you see it differently now knowing what it's like to be on the other end of that magnifying glass now that you're sort of more, you know, at least ankle deep in it sometimes that you're like, huh, this, no guys don't, you know, I don't know. You see things, you see where things out there might be good or bad or might be hurtful or might be whatever. I mean, I just see how it, how it was hurtful to me before. And I just like with, with Madison, I see her responding to these people and I see, you know, I see how I used to respond to them as well. And, you know, you've had actually a couple girls, you know, you had Rebecca Marino retire because of stuff like this. And, I mean, it's just, I mean, the men get it as well, I think. So I don't want to say that it's like a sexist issue. But just how, you can just really see how angry people are in the world. Um, And I think it's a different sort of abuse that women can get, too. You know, I mean, they can attack different things. And make it oh my gosh. personal on a level that the men probably don't get. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I've I've probably been called every name in the book. Yeah, and a lo- I mean, you get attacked about your appearance for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't I haven't read any of the men's messages, so I wouldn't know. But no. I'm sure I'm sure they, <laughs> they get do. It. I, get I just know. I mean, you, on it. <laughs> you just see it in every, in sadly in like every form of social media, like that women women can get a different sort of degree or different flavor of abuse or something that can be more personal and more disparaging from a primarily men male uh attackers for sure but the attitude that i've kind of taken is that you know i can't control them there's nothing i can do about them so and they're irrelevant in the in the grand scheme of things yeah no that's definitely they definitely are um you mentioned uh maria sharpova earlier Mm -hmm. and i know you've been you were one of the players um when she made her announcement march last march 2016 that um, was sort of more positive, I guess I would say. Um, you, I mean, it was <laughs> one of the few players, exactly. Huh? <laughs> but yeah, but seriously, because some most, almost all the players stayed quiet. Was the first and foremost answer, and a lot yeah. of them, when asked about her directly, sort of hedged and didn't quite take a go really hard one way or the other. But you said, I think I, I have your tweet here. You said, I don't want to see, I do not want to see Maria Sharapova's career end on an honest mistake. And mm-hmm. then when she came back this week. Um, you said, you know, great to see her back, something like that. Yeah. Um, does that feel like, well, I guess this might sound dumb, but like, why do you, those seem like kind of basic messages, but they haven't, they've been more mm-hmm. clear than a lot of what we've gotten from WTA players. Why do you, why do you think that? And why have you sort of stood uh, by her through this when a lot of other players have either not kept quiet or said less positive things? Um. Well, I think first and foremost, you know, I try not to jump to conclusions. Mm. And I think you saw a lot of people doing that, whether they were fans or players. Um, you, you know, you didn't have all the details jumping, I mean, making, um, assumptions about a case that really you don't know a lot about. All you saw is that she tested positive. And I think a lot of people were thinking with their emotions. And it's, I mean, it's true. Maria's not friendly, so to speak, in the locker room. No. You know, she doesn't go around making friends. And I think a lot of people, I mean, I think it's obvious that, I mean, that was their first statement. They, I think they took that personally. Yeah. And in my opinion is kind of, and I've never actually really cared. I've just been like, well, if that's 
her way of dealing with things, so be it, you know? It's never really bothered me. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they did, like I said, they didn't have the details of the case. They were jumping to conclusions left and right. And I feel like, you you know, people are innocent until proven guilty. You know, and I think they just jumped. There was like a witch hunt. And so I just, and Maria being Maria and what she's done for the tour, being a remarkable player like Serena and Venus, I mean, they've, they've made the tour what it is. And I think that, uh, or they've helped contribute to it. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm wondering if that's something that maybe you understand or you, um, you, you see, or you process better being, you know, a step removed from the locker room right now. Like, this is something that Maria and Venus and Serena, really the three of them, um, and, mm-hmm. and mostly Serena Maria last, you know, for several years, mm-hmm. have been the ones sort of driving the marketing of the sport, have been the ones driving the popularity of the sport. And, you know, they and their sort of rising tide lifts all boats, you know, like every, when, exactly. you know, when when Serena, when Maria enters a tournament or Serena and they and prize money goes up, not immediately, but, you know, over time because exactly. of their presence and sponsorship mm-hmm. goes up, everybody collects those checks. I mean, you know, if you if you make the semifinals of a tournament uh, where they're the headliners, uh, you get a bigger check than you would if they hadn't shown up. And, and not always, you know, not exactly that week, but there is a long term correlation there mm-hmm. um and you guys maybe that's something you do you always understand that or is it something that's sort of come into come into focus for you you know away from the sport definitely something that's come into focus you know i can see how people would you know they're competing with her so they're like if she's taking something in and i'm not then she's a cheater hmm. um and come to that conclusion but looking at it if you read the case if you kind of you know made a timeline of how things worked out it it, you know, I just can't see her as a cheater. And I mean, she, I definitely think that she, you know, had, had a sentence and she deserved to be out for a certain period of time. But, you know, for someone to, to make comments and say that she should be banned for life, I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a bit harsh. So you did read the, the, the PDFs, like the cast decision and things like that. And the, and the ITF one. Yeah. And I guess I'm guessing that's something most players probably don't do. I don't hear them. Probably don't even have the time for it. No. And I guess you're right. But they still, I mean, some of them, and that's maybe why a lot of them don't say much, you know, but they, yeah. why others, others who do spat off might not always, um, mm-hmm. you know, have it either. So yeah. Cause you don't hear people like discussing, you know, making it sound I like they read f- every paragraph of the thing. Cause if there are long things too, like, especially like that. It was like 33 one. pages, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And I just, I just remember the first, um, comments that I read from the players, it was just like, oh, well, she's not friendly in the locker room. This is what she kind of deserves. And I'm just like, wow, you know, like everyone deals with it differently. If she doesn't want to be your friend, I mean, it's not really a, a big deal. I'm hoping yeah. I'm, for me, I'd be a little bit more concerned with my career, what I'm doing on a day to day basis to improve my tennis. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, but you, I guess, I guess I'm just curious and sort of how you felt interacting or just being near like the stars mm-hmm. of the game when you were playing, because you had um, the most high profile match of yours. I remember wasn't the slow match. It was when you played Azarenka in Australia Yeah, um, and she was defending champion there. She was number one, mm-hmm. still the top seed. And you took her into a third set and it was like a big, mm-hmm. big spotlight match. And I'm just wondering, you know, when you're like in the locker room, you know, preparing mm-hmm. or getting ready for this match and you see this person, over there who's like in her, you know, uh, 
got her sponsored headphones and her sponsored, you know, individual Nike outfit that's just for her and, mm-hmm. you know, her however many staff of people she has with her. I don't know. She's not the biggest entourage person, but, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, how intimidating that can be or how if it's if it's ever hard to feel like, you know, you don't, you know, fight, having to fight feelings of like, I don't deserve to be on the same level as her. You know, she's mm-hmm. way up there and I'm down here. Is that something you have to you had to deal with when you were on tour? Because it's a there's a big a lot of stratification, a lot of like levels on, in that locker room. Not everyone's not everyone's is currently at the same level or equality. I think for some players, I think for some players that can um, be a bit of a driving force actually hmm. to say that you know this person thinks that she's better than me. I'm going to you know prove her wrong or you know. Maybe it's something internally for me. Maybe on the tour, I was a little bit afraid when I first came on. Hmm. Um, but it normally takes me about a year, and that's kind of how it's been throughout my career. Is that like even in juniors or not ITF juniors, but like in the, in the United States, when I'd move up in age division, it would take me about a year cycle, and then I would, you know, vastly improve. And I think that was kind of the case here as well. Um, it was like I, it took me about a year on the challengers and then, you know, a, a year on the tour. Um, but for me, that kind of stuff didn't, if it did affect me, it was very early on. And I yeah. think that I learned to deal with it pretty quickly because it wasn't important to me. And it's more a, a mental thing than a tennis thing, you know, in terms of like, rather than, you know, going mm-hmm. out there with Azarenka and trading shot for mm-hmm. shot, that might be easier than going out there and feeling like, you know, mentally you're on the same level as her. Um, I think what really helped me was the year before that I played Maria actually, and right. I lost 0 and 1 and it was my first match on a big stadium. Um, and yeah, I, and I got crushed and I was devastated. I remember crying and, you know, I, I don't really cry after matches. And so that I always, I've actually talked about it before, but that match was really like defining for me, like a mm-hmm. defining moment because it was she really like this. She was at, in my mind and in the ranking, she was, you know, at the top of the game. So this was, it proved what I needed to work on. She took my weaknesses. She, she basically threw them in my face and I was like, okay, well, if I want to get better, this is how I have to improve. And I was forced to like confront all, all the weaknesses and things that I didn't really want to work on. So. And I think people can think it's a cliche to say that like a, a loss, especially like a lopsided loss is like a learning experience. It's almost mm-hmm. sort of like a, a platitude or like a, um, uh, what's a euphemism people can trot out when someone gets their mm-hmm. butt kicked. But for you, it was real in that yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and good. one thing that I've always been really proud of is I've always, um, after a loss or a win, I'm always looking for things that I can improve, even when I wasn't playing, you know, like if I was just watching a match or watching someone. So yeah, how much how much tennis are you watching these days, and and who do you like to watch? Um, it's you know I watched um a lot when I wasn't playing because I was like okay well I got to keep up with the girls, see the adjustments that they're making um, mm-hmm. while I'm not on the tour. It's gone down significantly, but right now I I, I like to watch Tim. I think he has a really nice game. Mm. Yeah. Well, just a one handed backhand. I know people a lot of people are suckers for one handed <laughs> backhand. Especially he's like a a sort of a Vavrinka one that's like a you know, really heavy, hard one that he is. Yeah. Is that what it is, or is it, is it more a whole package for him? Um, I, I like how aggressive he is, but I think he's just got a lot of flair in his game, you know, from the, from the baseline. Yeah. 
And um, I like, don't see him at the net too much, but no, he's not, <laughs> not a net player. But he and he also plays like every week, so you get to see him a lot. So he's a, it's a yeah, it's a good arrangement being a team fan. Okay, and and something that's been very um, inspirational is Venus. Mm. I do like watching Venus compete whenever she's playing. Yeah, no, that's yeah. I'm curious what you what you make of that, and if these players, and if and if at all you relate to yourself, like because she's gone through a lot of physical issues. Yeah, career, it gives me hope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess is that something that you can, that you you still do find whether you're looking for it or not, you know, inspiration in some of these other stories. Because I mean, look at like God, like Lucic this year, mm-hmm. like she was completely off the radar um, in terms of being a top relevant player. You know, even when she absolutely made it back. yeah, but now she's having her career high ranking, I think, right now, which is incredible. And I just remember starting off on the Challengers, and she had already been playing for all those years, and she was on the Challenger tour with me, mm-hmm. and to see her be successful you know, however many years later, five, six years. I mean, that's that's so nice, and that's such, such a great thing for her. And um, it's really it really gives me a lot of hope that I still have a lot of years left in my career. Yeah, no, we all hope so, too, for oh, me sure. Too. <laughs> I know. We're all, all on the same page there. Um, I guess I one other thing, just look, you mentioned it earlier, but if you had, like, not that you necessarily feel entitled to do this, but or you, you might know your personality, but, like, if you had a chance to give, like, advice to players, who are on tour or coming up on a tour about mm-hmm. things, you know, that you see now in your career that you wish you'd thought about or done differently or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. things you wish you'd known or things you wish someone had told you, um, especially coming from you, you know, you're, you're right there as one of them, the same generation mm-hmm. as them. I think they would probably take your, I would hope they would take your advice pretty, pretty earnestly and pretty uh, thoughtfully. What would you, what would you say to, to, as sort of for players who are still out there week in, week out, what would you recommend to them or what sort of advice would you give? Um, I'd probably say relax, Mm. you know, it's, uh, it's a long journey. And I think that if you try to, I don't know, condense it down to like one or two years and tell yourself that you have to make it in this amount of time that it's, I mean, you're putting a lot of unnecessary stress on yourself. Um, yeah, that's probably about it. I think, you know, saying, learn about yourself, play within yourself, like, those types of things are pretty standard, I think, though. Yeah. But I think they, they 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 mean a lot. I think they on different levels. And I guess they're I guess it can't it has to be stressful being on tour, especially you know you look at somebody like I'm thinking of like Belinda Benchich right now, who yeah. was like a you know was a number one junior, won junior slams, like was like a can't miss prospect, made like a, mm-hmm. a U.S. Open quarterfinal really early in her career in her pro career, I think when she was 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's fallen on some rougher times now and it's out of the top hundred and had injury issues and whatever else is going on with her. Um, and it could be easy to sit for, you know, for someone like her to panic for people around her to be like, Oh my gosh, she's, you know, blowing her chance or whatever. And, you know, she'll, this is so important that she, you know, gets back in the top hundred next week and, you know, wins a tournament this year and all those things. And I guess it can be for players who are lucky enough to stay healthy, you know, it can be something they have more time with. Like yeah. That. That on that note, taking care of yourself is definitely okay. a high priority. Um, injuries are gonna happen. Like it's pretty much a given. Every week, yeah. everyone's hurting. You know, it's not like anyone's playing with this perfect body. Um, yeah. Or no pain. So, I think that. And I, I mean, yeah. If I was definitely, if I was on a, a team with a player that was struggling like that, I, I think I'd be pretty relaxed about it. Yeah, and that's the that has to be hard. To, that's much easier said than done, I would think. Oh, for sure. You know, natural tendency is to is to freak out because you're losing all of these matches and everything. But 
you know, you always have an opportunity the following week to make an improvement. And I think a lot of people forget that they get in this routine that, you know, I'm going to lose, you know, and it gets harder and harder as the more, you, the more you want it. Yeah. So just to relax um, and, you know, just kind of let your mind come down a little bit, I think is really important. Are there, are there, is something, are you still in close touch with many players right now? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. My, um, not a ton, you know, I, I, at first I got a lot of messages from the players, um, you know, wishing me good luck and, and whatnot and hoping that I get back on the tour soon. Um, but obviously they, you know, they, they've got their lives and, you know, they have to go play week to week. But, um, yeah, some of them I definitely keep in contact with mainly the American players. Right. What do you make, what do you make of, I mean, this is a question everyone gets all the time, mm-hmm. but what do you make of like American tennis right now? Especially yeah, that was like the first question I, that I ever got coming on the tour, and it's, <laughs> and it's still going on. Come on now, guys. Okay, okay. But I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, but with okay, so let me ask, let me phrase it differently then. Okay. Serena is now off the tour for okay. at least probably another year. We're guessing mm-hmm. with having a kid, or actually, you know, she's already pretty far along. But so let's say for a while, and so mm-hmm. now she's not going to be there, sort of absorbing the spotlight from American media. Um, I swear she's not going to be here for like nine months, and that's it. She's going to come back on tour. <laughs> she's going to dominate again. That's I, I I think a lot of people are hoping so too. <laughs> but I'm just curious, like how what how what was her presence in the sport like for you when you were there? Because you were there at a you know you were on tour at a, a very pretty much a really good time for Serena. I mean, she had a great year in 2013. Mm-hmm. She you know won two slams and like eight other titles or something like that. It was one of her best years mm-hmm. ever. Um, what was her presence like in the sport? And can you imagine what it'd be like without her? Um, you know, just to have Serena and Venus, and I always like to, to keep them as a pair because they, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the, everything they went through, they kind of, they went through together. Yeah. Um, growing up, you know, being the first on the tour, um, or Venus actually was the first, but, um, Without their presence, obviously the tour would not be where it is, you know, but without Billie Jean King, without Maria, it would not be where it is. And I think it's so people have to like understand that. And I think more recently people have been coming to, to get that. Um, I'm definitely seeing a lot more positive uh, marketing and press about Serena. Yeah, I agree. I think when I was on tour, it wasn't quite as positive. And I was like, guys, she's like going to be the greatest player of all time. <laughs> Yeah. come on like get behind this but um yeah they're I've, I've always felt really you know honored to to be on the tour with them i always wanted to play them unfortunately you know when i got hurt i was supposed to, i was scheduled to play venus and, right. and didn't get to play that match but it was something that i was so looking forward to um that would have been your first match against either of them i didn't realize that. yes okay, yeah mm-hmm. so because even when i because they've been playing for so long that even when i was growing up they were dominating yeah. So for them to still be on the on the tour and still be at the top of the game, that's amazing. And I would have loved to put my game against the greatest players of all time, or two of the greatest players, and arguably the greatest player of all time. So right. unfortunately, that didn't come to happen. But hopefully, I get another chance. Hopefully, I mean, there's no reason. There's no. <laughs> we can fingers crossed that they when when you make it back. They will still be out there. I mean, it's it's like you said, like you said pretty quickly, like you expect to be back in nine months tops and she'll be good. Yeah, I have every expectation that they're still going to be there. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, thank you very much, Jamie, for being here with us. Um, any yeah, of course. last things before we let you go? Anything 
No, I just want to say thanks to the fans, honestly, because I get messages still, and they're so nice. I mean, just I really appreciate those those messages. Like you said, we have the messages where people beat us yeah. beat us up a little bit, but um, it's always so nice to have a message like that. Did you realize while you were playing how much people cared about you? I mean, no, not at all. Yeah. I wouldn't think no. I would think it wouldn't something that might you might take for granted or might think that you're just like kind of another name in the draw and just going along. But it's yeah, but there clearly you resonated with a lot of people and uh, yeah. To have people still message me, you know, three years later, and you know, I, I got handwritten messages from the um, from fans that the WTA sent forwarded to me. I mean, I had no idea that people followed me like that. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we look forward to following you and whatever you're doing in the future. Uh, thank you again, Jamie, for being on here. Yeah, and of course. This was, this was awesome, and we hope to hear hopefully our paths cross again soon. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Thanks, thank guys. You. So thank you, Jamie, very much for your time and for talking to all of us. And thank you guys for listening to this show. If you want to follow along when you're not listening, you can do so by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash ncrpodcast. Follow us on Twitter at ncr underscore tennis. You can also follow Jamie at jamie underscore Hampton. Send us questions, comments for upcoming shows. No challenges remaining at gmail.com is our address there. And subscribe to us on iTunes and any other podcasting app of your choice to get episodes automatically and leave reviews there once you do. It's a pretty swell thing to do with all that. Thanks again, Julie. Bye guys. Julie